This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just Good Conversation. Fullerton head football coach Garrett Campbell loves his job. He was planning on missing the birth of his child if it came down to it. The game is a major part of his life. Nothing would come between him and his love of football until there was a family tragedy. So we planned the, the C-section date and everything. So it's going to be on, I think it was Halloween, actually. It was a Wednesday. And I'm, I'm looking at my phone. I'm looking at the calendar. I go, hey, is there any other date we could do that? That's a, that's another week we could do that because that's a big, that's our, we play our rival that week. We're playing Monmouth College. It's big, that's our big rival. Can we pick a different week? And he, <laughs> my wife will tell the story. She probably tells it better than I do. But she, the doctor goes, he looks right at me and says, hey, this is one area where you're not in charge. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. My guests have ranged from Hall of Fame basketball players, professional Major League Baseball players, college coaches, financial planners, and former TV executive Paul Chatto. Grant Tinker made a comment when he was the CEO of NBC just at the beginning of cable. So a fraction of the opportunities that we have now. Okay, a fraction, no screen, no streaming. Maybe there was Showtime. Maybe there was, there was HBO for sure. Maybe 10 other stations. Uh, And he said the problem with TV is that there's too much of it. The rest of my conversation with Paul can be found on our archives at justagoodconversation.com. Let's take a quick break for a sponsor before diving into part two of my conversation with Garrett Campbell. Maine Farmhouse Brands was started by Dan McCool, a healthcare professional. His goal was to make premium soap. Most people may not realize how important the right soap is for their health and the difference between soap and detergent. Soap is made from natural ingredients like animal and plant fats, whereas detergent is made from synthetic, often harsh chemicals, even fossil fuels like petroleum. Maine Farmhouse Brands makes their own soap with natural ingredients free from harsh chemicals. So if you want to keep your skin healthy and clean, I would recommend using Maine Farmhouse brand soap instead of detergent. You can find their body wash, shaved soaps, laundry soap, and beard oils, and more at mainefarmhousebrands.com. Your time in Illinois, it was wearing thin. You wanted to come home. Right? Was it just kind of was was it no, a no? Actually, <laughs> actually not. Believe it or not. Did you want to stay? I mean, uh, so the, the I was ready for a new challenge. I'd been there okay. eight years, um, eight seasons. Um, at about season seven, my wife and I. Well, let me backtrack. Uh, Two thousand twelve, my son was born, which kind of caught us off guard. We had the two girls, and then um, we had, had t- tried to have another child, and. Um, wasn't quite working, went through a whole bunch of stuff and just couldn't, just wasn't happening. And it, it was what it was. Um, then all of a sudden my wife got pregnant and, um, surprise. So yeah, she woke me up. Still remember the day she woke me up at four in the morning. She goes, Hey, we need to talk. And I'm like, at four in the morning, what the hell, what the hell did I do? It's four. I didn't do anything. And I'm thinking, did I do the dishes? Did I not take the trash? What I'll did I work do? on the snoring. Right, right. Okay. I Wasn't get it. me. <laughs> You know, and she goes, you need to look at this. And then she hands me a pregnancy test and she's positive. And only so women like, at four in the morning would do that. I like know. I, I could barely even pay attention to what I'm doing at four in the morning. Pee on a stick. I Are you know. kidding me? God. So, so, so 
Yeah, so he's and so now there's seven years difference between so our oldest daughter to Hayden to our second daughter Olivia to Hayden is seven years and now Hayden to Carter is seven years. Okay, so which is a pretty good gap and it's kind of fun and sure it's its own perks. Um, but we didn't we didn't try to wait that long. It just kind of happened that way. And um, but but long story short, Carter was born. I still remember. Let me backtrack a little bit. We're sitting there and Carter, everything's going okay with the pregnancy. My wife struggled a little bit and, but, but everything's fine with the pregnancy, but she's having some issues um, with her back and some things. Um, go to the doctor. I still remember this. My doctor says, and he was a big football guy at one of the local Catholic high schools in, um, in Springfield. And he said, uh, so we plant the, the C-section date and everything. He said, oh, it's going to be on, I think it was Halloween. Actually, it was a Wednesday. <laughs> And I'm, I'm looking at my phone. I'm looking at the calendar. I go, hey, is there any other day we could do that? That's a, that's another week we could do it because that's a big – That's our we play our rival that week. We're playing Monmouth College. It's, big, it's our big rival. Can we pick a different week? And he, <laughs> my wife will tell the story. She probably tells it better than I do. But she, the doctor goes – he looks right at me and says, hey, this is one area where you're not in charge. <laughs> and my wife goes, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, she, so, anyways, so – it was really between her and the doctor it, 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 at that point. Yeah. You were like a grad assistant. I, 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 just, I, I tell you what, I felt I, I went back on the rungs again. I was way back low again. Yep. <laughs> so then, so fast forward. So then, so uh, I don't know. That was might have been the, you know as the summertime because we knew it was coming and we mm-hmm. knew she had to have a C section already. So we're we're sitting there in um, in September, and my my wife comes swings by practice and she's pregnant. She's got my two daughters there and, and or at least one, she had one daughter there. I think my older one wasn't there. Um, and Carter's in my wife's belly, just dancing around. Cause we had the music going and she's just, bebop, he's bebopping around in there. Just going, just going bonkers. Right. And I had a speaking engagement that night. Um, and, um, I go to the speaking engagement. So I say, hey, I'll see you later. They came and had dinner with me in the dining hall and then they went on their way. And then, so I'm at the speaking, I'm literally up in the speaking uh, on the stage and I see my wife in the background and I'm like, what the heck with my two daughters? And I'm like, what is going on? Like, cause they knew what I was doing. So I, I go, Hey, excuse me. So I walk up there. I go, what's going on? She goes, my water broke. She goes, I talked, I called the hospital already. They're expecting me. I, we got to go. I said, okay, let me just go say goodbye and get out of yeah, here and yeah. be polite here about how I leave. And so um, we did. So we go home. And anyways, long story short, my son was born preemie. Well, let me backtrack. That was on a Thursday night. That was on Thursday, Thursday night. Okay. We do our walk through the next day. Cause now she, by this time, she's in the hospital. She's been admitted to the hospital. She hasn't had the baby. She's admitted to the hospital. I, I go, I drive back for the walkthrough, drive back to the hospital, spend the night. We play the game on Saturday, win. Everything's good. I go back Sunday um, to the hospital or back to back to the school because we have a JV game for our younger players. Um, go back to the hospital Monday morning. Now it's a bye week. So we just played Saturday. Now we're in a bye week. And my son decides to come on that Monday. <laughs> so I'm like, he is a coach's son because he was born on a bye week and he avoided the big game later on, which was a couple months later. So... Long story short, he and, and, and he was in the NICU for a while, so we went through some things that were pretty, um, um, pretty rough. Uh, he was he for the most part was okay. I mean, I, there wasn't anything. I mean, there was some concerns, but he sure. was pretty okay, especially compared to some of the other babies in that pod. And uh, but he was born on the bye week, and it worked out well. And um, yeah. did you so, let that doctor know you were still in charge? I know. Apparently, I was. That's my that's my <laughs> wife's joke all the time. I guess you had your ways. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> so 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 yeah. We ended up we ended up uh, it all ended up working okay, and it was a lot of fun. And but that so that moment. 
at, at the, when all we went through all that and my, you know, my dad happened to be out helping us coach. He's by this time he's retired and he came out and helped us coach a little bit. Couldn't help himself. Uh, couldn't help himself at all. Um, my uh, mother-in-law drives down from Wisconsin. She was living in, there in northern Wisconsin. She drives down. So we're not near family, okay? Now, we're in central Illinois, and we're probably a seven-hour drive to her parents, and then obviously we're a plane flight out here. And so our conversation revolved around, let's get closer to family. If we're leaving, let's get closer to family. You know, again, I've never cared. I've never cared the level. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't a big deal to me. Um I had been offered a couple of, you know, I have some I have good record, good resume, and I'm offered a couple opportunities. I turned them down. Um, they just weren't, they didn't feel right. Um, Tim Burns and I talked, and, and he said, we're going to have a job next year. You should apply. And so it was a year later. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I'm kind of looking for something more right now. And anyways, I but I didn't find anything I really liked, so I stayed for another year, and we did pretty well. Um, and they say, hey, we're going to have the job. You should apply. And, and obviously, you can't guarantee me anything because sure. at this level, it's not you, you can't do that. But because um, he's not the ultimate decision maker, but he's, you know, like, hey, we got this. You should apply. So I did. Um, and it all kind of worked out. So we moved out here. Um, but I also looked at jobs in Wisconsin where my wife's family right. at. So it was, it was, um, it wasn't just the desire to come back home, it was the desire to be back closer to family, though. Whether it was mine or hers, right? We, we kind of decided we're good with either one. Both our families are equally as crazy, so it worked out. And that's it was fun. tough from a coach's standpoint oh. because you could be jumping so often. Mm-hmm. So to make that yeah. you know decision, let's get yeah. near family. That's yeah. tough, and especially when you've got a wife who's only lived in the, the Midwest. Now you're moving out to California, um, and now I feel bad because I'm taking. her her, I'm taking her away and our grand our kids away from mm-hmm. her parents now. Right. That's a little tough one too. Even though we're coming by my parents, we're getting away from her parents. So there's some there's some inequities there, inequalities there as far as the family goes. And now you gotta figure out how to now you're spending your family vacations in Wisconsin and not doing maybe not doing some of the trips you'd like to do. We gotta go make sure you see the in you know, for me see the in laws and all that. Right. You've seen football for well over forty years. Mm-hmm. 30 through an adult's eyes. Mm-hmm. Do you worry about the future of football? The way it's, you know, with whether everybody's head trauma and the size and the numbers are down. And the, the, do you worry about the future? If your dad right now was you at 49, what would he say, you know, then? Um, I, I'll say this about the head trauma. Um, I think there are some really smart people doing some really good things trying to help with that. I also think, and I may not word this exactly right, but I also think there's probably people who are more susceptible to those injuries than others. And I think, I I think there's gotta be a way to identify that. Um, Because I have a lot of people that I know, and there's a lot of former football players who you wouldn't know that they have any issues. Right. Um, so I, I think it has more to do with the susceptibility of it. Now I'll say this. I have a son I just talked about, obviously he's now 10 who is begging. And I mean, begging me to play tackle football. And I started when I was eight. Okay. Um, but my wife and I won't let him play until he's, uh, till he is, we've, we've said eighth grade and I, I, I've joked with him. I probably could get talked into seventh grade, but not anything before that. Um, I look back and realize how lucky I was with some of the coaches that I had in Pop Warner. Um, 
but I also, what I also look back and see is that my dad helped a lot of those coaches. Mm-hmm. And while he didn't coach my team, he would work with them on, here's some drills you want to do. Here's the things you want to do. So we had some coaches who were phenomenal coaches and phenomenal people and impacted my life greatly. But my dad was also there to kind of offer some guidance and assistance too. Right. And, and there's not there's not that kind of coaching experience with a lot that, of coaches. That's it. And that's it. Now, the other thing is this, and I look at for my son, is my son also has an opportunity that I never had, and that is all these flag football leagues that are out there. Mm-hmm. So when you ask, do you worry about the game in the long run? The answer is no. And, and, and the reason I don't worry about it is because I think they're being smart about the approach and understanding that flag football, while it kind of eliminates some of the linemen, um, it's still teaching the game. And I think just even going to a, um, what was it, the, the Pro Bowl, going to a flag football game, I think is phenomenal. I, and I think flag football is phenomenal. And and look at where it's growing. Look where flag football is growing. It's growing with the female audience. Mm-hmm. It's growing with the female athletes. Right. Um, so I don't I don't worry too much about football. Now, the second part of, of college athletics that I do worry about is I, I, I really, really hate this Division One bust or uh, – Division one or bus mentality. Right. I, I really hate that because I do. I, we've had kids here that we just had. Actually, we just had one right now. He had FBS offers, so higher division one, and he turned it down to go to lower division one uh, to go to an FCS school. And you ask him why, and he'll say it was a better fit. And that's what I think sometimes people forget is is that um, when a student athlete chooses where to go to school, it's got to be the right fit, and so. So, and I know I'm not maybe not totally answering your question, but I but all of this, I think to me, it's all like this big ball that's all kind of clumped right. together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where we're getting into this. I think there's some some people who believe like, oh, well, if I don't go to SC or I don't go to UCLA, then I'm just not going to play. Well, then you don't really love the game. Oh, absolutely. And that's what you figure out is how much people love the game. And that's why I love coaching Division Three because I had kids who absolutely love the game. Here at, here at Fullerton College, I've got kids who absolutely love the game. They're, I mean, this is, this is, and I believe this is the toughest level. I've never coached Division One. Okay, fine. I've coached Division Two. I've coached Division Three. But I've seen a lot of Division One, and I know the resources they have available. This is by far the toughest level to coach at because a lot of our students are not – um, while a lot of our students here at Fullerton College, and, 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 I, and I know this is true for other community colleges in California, they're fine academically in some, in some regards, but some are not prepared academically. Um, we don't get the resources that a lot of places for athletics, oh, yeah. you know, just to, just to have a – we finally – 100 years of football, we finally just got a stadium. You know, there's just a lot of things, and, and our kids are just – they're trying to figure out this, this college thing and commuting back and forth. And it may just be from an apartment, but still they're trying to figure it all out. It's tough. And so this is the toughest level to coach at. Um, so do I worry about the state of football in the long run? Not really. But I do think there are a lot of little things. Because I do think there are a lot of good people doing really good things. Mm-hmm. But I do worry about it in certain kind of certain facets, if you will. Does right. that make sense? You at 18 mm-hmm. is a much different animal than the 18-year-old that knocks on your door today. We <laughs> talked about it with the phone, the iPad, mm-hmm. the tech, all the immersiveness that's been placed in front of them from mm-hmm. two to the moment they walk through mm-hmm. your door. Have you found that to be a challenge, dealing with the 18-year-old today than when like you started coaching in the mid-'90s? Um, 
That's an interesting question, and here's why. I, my my initial gut reaction is actually no. Um, I think the dynamics around them have changed. Um, I think parenting has changed. Um, I think accountability has changed. Well, you're a generational parent, right? I mean, literally, yeah. you, got, you have a ten year old and a yep. twenty five. Yes. That's a totally different child. Oh you raised. my goodness gracious! Without without doubt, I think we we're talking off air about just. The, my older daughter, we go to Chili's and and, it, and she's drawn with the crowns and that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. and they don't give it to her. Then I tell her to go up and ask the hostess for the crayons. Well, I don't want to go up there. So now you're teaching them how to overcome their little fear to ask for that stuff. Yeah. Now I sit at dinner with my son and, and he goes, hey, Dad, can I can I have your phone so I can play a game? You know, it, right. it it's just totally different, right? Just And it, all these little factors that go into it. And, and I heard this a while ago when it came to the cell phones is that um, this, and I heard this, this is probably, gosh, this is probably 10 years ago now, as the cell phones were becoming bigger and bigger, was that we used to rely on, I've talked a lot about my dad, right? So mm -hmm. I relied on my dad for a lot of information as we all used to rely on our parents for information. Now, they don't need parents for information, okay? Now the challenge as parents becomes context. How to put that information into context. So before you used to get the information and context from your parents, and now they're getting information that they have no context. So you as a parent have to provide that context. That's what I would see as the biggest difference. So my job is to educate my players on context of all this information, how to study, how to go to class, how to talk, how to, how to, how to, how to do all the things that we need, how to send a professor an email, how all these things that they don't, they never really under, they never got the context to the information. Like, I know I need to add a class. Right. And I know I got to email the teacher. What do I say? Well, let's talk about the context of what you have to say. You know, things like that. Yeah, that, um, that's wild to think. That's the part that, I think that's the part that's different. Yeah, don't send an emoji. You actually have yeah, to write. No, a... no, seriously, that's it. And I and I hear that from faculty. I'm a faculty member. I hear that. All, I see it all the time, too. And not, yeah. not from my players, from other students. Sure. So, yeah, so you're dealing with that. So, I think, now... One of the things I really do believe is I remember being 18 and I was just as big a knucklehead as these guys. It looked different, right. but I was just as big well, a knucklehead. You didn't have a phone. I didn't have a phone. No, I didn't have a phone. Yeah. But I had the same excuses. Yeah. You know, Mur Mur I remember Murphy would keep a, uh, uh, in his desk drawer, would keep a file of all the excuses he's heard. <laughs> and I I'll tell you what, it, it would be similar today. It's just maybe the context has changed a right. little bit, right? That's but it. Same stuff. Yeah. It's fascinating. Being at the junior college, community college level, mm -hmm. you your funds come directly from the state, yeah. right? Yep. Does that worry you about, you know, the way politics oh, and yeah. the way Sacramento and, you know, purse strings can be shut and the yeah. faucet turned yeah. off? Any analogy you want to come yeah. up with in a heartbeat? Yeah. Yeah, and I get worried about I get I get worried about it. What so when you asked earlier about football, I don't worry about that part with football specifically, but I do worry about that part with athletics in general. Yeah. That's what I do worry about some of that. Yeah. Because that, um, because I am a faculty member first, first sure. and foremost. I mean, actually it's the funny part is my, my, my salary as the football coach here is only about what? Eight, 10% of my salary. Right. It's, it's the not, rest I mean, comes from, the rest comes from team yeah. teaching. I teach stress management. I mean, I teach lecture courses. Um, so it's a very different animal. And so, yeah, you worry about all that stuff. And then you worry about it as a faculty member is just budgets in, in whole. Now, we're not directly involved with all that stuff. That's our administrative level. Mm -hmm. But it trickles down to us. Sure. So we've got to pay attention. Um, so, yeah, uh, in some regards, yeah, you can't let it affect your relationship with the players. And you can't let it affect how you go about your day-to-day -day stuff. But, yeah, you worry about it. You're, I shouldn't say you worry about it. You are aware. You're aware of it. aware of it. 
Yeah, because somebody can decide and get a wild hair up their ass. Yes. We're no longer funding athletics. Yes. We're going to go fund, you know, yeah. something else. Something else. Yeah. Just, you, can, you can name it. It could be a lot of right. different things. It doesn't have to be athletics related. Yeah. They could say, hey, we're going to take that football money and go do whatever else. Or we're just cutting, and this could happen anytime because we're coming up on a budget deficit. Yep. we got to cut 15% yep. out of community colleges. Yep. But, well, okay, there's a bean counter somewhere on this campus or district that's going to start going, hey, guys, yep, what are we doing? Yep. Are we going to slash 15% across every single budget? Yeah. Are we going to slash it from certain people? Are we going to, yeah, what are we going to do? And that's, that's where it gets a little scary. And yeah. that's where, and, and Tim Burns and I still talk about this kind of stuff because we see, we see some of that coming. We just don't know how it's going to impact us yet. How is with, now you've played on both grass and turf. Yeah. Right. We got, we're playing, we're in beautiful news place. Yep. Played our first season here. We've got turf here, but there's some places that are him and hawing about maybe going back. Mm-hmm. Are you, now, and the turf, maybe you, I don't know, did you ever play on turf in high school? I did not. I did not. I, I played at East I, I LA in gra- I played in grass and mud. Yeah. I played <laughs> everything but once we played at East LA. Okay. Yeah. And that was the same stuff they use at miniature golf courses. Yes. Oh my yes. God. My joints yes. still ache from yep. the 40 minutes on that crap. Yep. yep. Are you, are you satisfied with where turf and the health of that part of the sport is? Cause that's a yeah. big thing. Yeah. It is. And, and I'll tell you this, for me personally, for me personally, I am. Um, but, and this is a big but, and this is, this is my issue. Um, we just replaced our turf. It's been two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to that, our turf was in really, really bad shape because it was about 12 or 13 years old. And the lifespan is about, well, the last lifespan of that turf particularly was about eight years. So we're about five years overdue, roughly. Right. Um, it was bad. I mean, to the point where my back was hurting just as a coach standing out there. And all our coaches felt it. Holy we, Then we got the new turf, and all of a sudden you just felt way better. Like you didn't feel that compression in your back like you felt standing on the other turf. Um, as far as the student athletes go, as far as the players go, I haven't really seen I it, to me I haven't noticed it one way or the other that it's better or worse quite honestly. If you can wave a wand, would you go to grass or stay with your turf? I would wave a wand and go to grass if it was the exact grass that I would want to get. Right, right. Because yes, that's I a would. budget thing too like. That's a budget thing. You I mean you yeah. got a guy who just babysits that grass. Yeah, so so we played at Rose Holman Institute of Technology when I was at Illinois College. Um and uh, Rose Holman was the training camp home for the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> so they had their two practice fields that were just immaculate. And then the game field was immaculate and nobody could, nobody touched the game field until the, the Colts would obviously go on it for scrimmage and stuff. Right. But even, even when they were in season, um, the Rose home team would, would not go on that turf until the game. And we, we stepped out that and it was just unbelievable. Just Oh my gosh! It was just beautiful. It looked like a putting green. It was so beautiful. Anyways, Flat, smooth, not a. And lump. our kids didn't notice the difference. Didn't notice the difference as far as like the running between our turf and that mm-hmm. field. It was you know. Now you go to other fields and they're grass and they're thick and lumpy and all that kind of stuff with like right. a big crown on it. Yeah. Um, that's that find would be a my sprinkler issue. head. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So I so, did a high school football game. Yeah. I think it was Capo, mm-hmm. and a kid slid and he oh. caught a sprinkler head. Jeez. It went into him like a just yep. a hammer, just yep. tore his I believe leg it. all up. I absolutely, believe it is it. grass, but it happens. No, it definitely happens. It absolutely happens, and that's that's the hard part. So that's the things that you know 
that we you have to kind of pay attention to, like to watch out for. But I'm, if given the choice, yeah, give me that putting green surface. That's beautiful grass, but yeah. I don't. I haven't seen any evidence either way to make me want to change my mind. For us now, right? I don't. It's not like I sit there. NFL will do studies and all this kind of. That's a different animal. I'm not. I'm, you know. Yeah. I'm just trying to get a bus to go to our games. <laughs> if you can wave a wand yeah. and change a rule at a football rule at your level, not the NFL yeah. or your level, what would you try to change? That's a great question. Um, I think it would be the hash marks. I think I would go to a little more like the NFL, how that's a little tighter hash bring marks. Them in. Yeah, I'd bring them in. I think where do they sit be... right now? So we're at uh we're at thirteen yards. Okay. So hash to hash is thirteen yards. Um, I think high school is, I think hash to hash is at high school. I think it's at 13, I think it's 17 yards because another two yards on either side. And I think the NFL is only 10 yards maybe. Yeah, right? it's, no, narrow. It's, it's eight yards, I think. Yeah, it's narrow. Yeah. And so I, I would change that and make the game more in the middle of the field. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's probably the one thing I would change. That's your about. one thing. Is that, is yeah, that a, I don't know. but that sounds like a coordinator thing. It is. It's a That's a total thing. offensive yeah. coordinator. A, it, it is because, it is because <laughs> now you don't. Because when you're in a hash, you you have a field to work with, and it's very easy to kind of kind of manipulate. And then, yeah. But going in the middle of the field now, they don't know which is your strength and which is your you know all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's it's it was well you didn't say it couldn't be selfish. I so know it's, I it's did not. Very selfish. It's your far. magic yeah, wand. Yeah. 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 So if I it, ask Cook, I'm sure it's gonna be a whole different right, answer. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it would it would it would expose the quarterbacks who are not as good in the pocket. And that's yeah. what happens in the NFL level is, yeah. is if you can't hang in the pocket and you can't last long in the NFL. Who's the best it. player you've seen as from the coach's position? Not on your team. You no, coached no. against. I've coached against? Yeah. Over your career. Yeah. So you saw him and just ho- saw Hollywood, Hollywood Brown. And you just, um, boy. Yeah, the guy who was with, he was with the receivers, with the, uh, went to, uh, played at College of the Canyons. I mean, we shut him down, and Crooks did a great job against him. But watching his film and then watching him run in person, you're like, oh, my gosh, that dude's special. And then he went to Oklahoma, okay. had, had a good career, then went to Ravens, and now he's like he's with the the, uh, uh, the Cardinals. Um, him, he, he would probably be um, – he would probably be the, the best overall athlete I've ever seen at this level. I think – and any other player that I've coached specifically, um, I had a player that played for me. He's probably the best player I've had – combination of everything and, and you're gonna laugh at me when I say this but he was he was a division three offensive lineman now Keith um, should have never been a division three guy he had some crazy circumstances in his life was a Juco guy had some crazy circumstances just hated with the Juco he was at it was back in the Midwest hated it wanted to leave didn't care Keith was six six he was 310 pounds and is probably the one of the best athletes I've ever coached we ended up, he ended up coming to Illinois College because we had some connections and whatnot. And in four years of being a starter, never gave up a tackle for loss and never gave up a sack. And was we didn't have player, we didn't have offensive line, or we didn't have lineman of the year or anything, those mm-hmm. awards. But he would have won that every year. It, it was phenomenal, and he would have had chances to go to the league, but had some concussion issues late in his career with us, like the last, like second half of his senior season. Uh, but he would have had a chance to go on. Wow, he, he was unbelievable. He. He, should not, he, should, he should not have been with us. I say it all the time. He should not have been with us. Uh, and we've had kids here go Division One. They were excellent, excellent football sure. players. He was still way better than all of them. Sometimes that just happens, it, right? It, it totally does. It totally does. I've seen, I've seen, you know, you know, Division Three guys go to the NFL. You know, uh, Pierre Garcon was at Mount Union, and um, you know, he ended up having a great year with the 
they were a great seat, a great career, I guess you could say. Played in the league for like twelve years. London Fletcher's another one. There's a lot of guys. Um, but yeah, that would I would say probably there was an Idaho guy like that I did a story on mm-hmm. years ago, and he just didn't want to leave the state. Yeah, he's like, I want my grandparents yeah. to see yeah. me. This was pre yeah. streaming. It like yeah. he's like, I want them to see me. I want my cousins, my brothers. Yep. Like if I yep. go and yeah go to Washington, they'll, they'll never, never see, see me. Yeah. Yeah, bigger's not always better. Yeah. So Keith's situation, he was at a, a community college, and he had some issues with the coaches as far as trying to – they were trying to overrule the trainers. He had a shoulder injury. They wanted him to play, da-da-da-da. It was, it, it was just during training camp. He had already registered the year before with an injury, and he called his dad up. They're, they're a week and a half into practice. He called his dad up said, I'm done. And his dad's like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm leaving. He goes, no, you're staying there. He goes, no, Dad, you don't understand. I've already packed all my stuff up. I'm about to get in my car. I'm driving home. Now – from home, from where he was, it was about a seven-hour drive. He goes, I'm driving home. And Dad was like, you're not driving home. Stay there one more night. Let me make a couple calls. Let me see. Long story short, I end up, I get this phone call. True story. I'm on, every coach has these kind of stories, right? Yeah, I get a call on, that was on Saturday. Um, it said, Sunday morning, I'm driving my daughter, Olivia, down to um, Six Flags in St. Louis. Driving her down because she has she wants to conquer this fear of the Superman ride. Okay, <laughs> she she kind of chickened out the year before, so she wanted to conquer the fear. So I'm like, okay, we're gonna go. She's I, gonna cowboy. She, help. That's it. She was she was that's it. She was gonna do it. And so we're driving down, and I get this call, and uh, I take that back. That was on a Friday, because um, I get the call on Saturday, and I and I he goes. You're, you're not going to believe me. My name's Robert, and you're not going to believe me, but I have a son who's six foot six, 310 pounds. I think he's a pretty good player. Here's where he's at currently, but he's leaving there. Um, and we'd like to come. To, we'd like to. We know people who are at your school. We already have family friends that are there, and we have some alums that we know. We'd like him to go. We've heard good things. We'd like him to go play for you. And I'm thinking, I'm, who's pulling yeah, my leg? Right, I'm driving yeah. down to St. Louis to go, you know, because we – now, mind you, we report for training camp the following, like, Thursday or something like that, Wednesday or Thursday, okay? So I have to get him admitted and do all this stuff. But anyway, so I said, here's the deal. I'm on the phone with him. I go, look, if you're not BSing me, I said, I will meet you at my office tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. I said, I'm not doing it now. I'm taking my daughter to Six Flags. We're going we're gonna to conquer Superman, right? I said, I'll meet you there at 9 a.m. Coach will be there. He walks in with his wife and his son, and his other son and his daughter, who were much younger at that time, right? Keith is probably 19, and the daughter was probably at the time, probably she was, she was probably 12, and, this, and the other son was probably like 6. They walk in, and sure enough, this kid is all of 6'6", six, six, and he's all of 300 pounds, and he is a good-looking human. I'm like, we don't have anybody else that looks like that guy. Wow. I'm like, this, I said... So, anyways, long story short, uh, what's wrong with you, son? Well, that's what. <laughs> yeah. and, and I said, I need this. I tell me the story. Tell me everything, all the good, yeah. the bad. I need to know everything because. Yeah. And so he tells me the story, and it's all yeah, it's all football related, which okay, I can handle that, and it's all has to do with he said, she said, trainers, and all mm-hmm. that stuff, which are stories I've heard before. So I'm like, okay. So Keith comes in. Anyway, so we get it set. Keith comes back on Monday with his mom. We do all the admissions. We do financial. We take care of everything. And we're trying to get it all done because we report, again, we report on Thursday, I think it is. And we get word on Wednesday afternoon, he's all clear, bring him up. And he comes in, and again, <laughs> shouldn't have been there. Just athletically, he should not have been there. But, my gosh, was he one of the best leaders I've ever been around, one of the most humble human beings I've ever been around, one of the best athletes I've ever been around, one of the hardest workers I've ever been around. So when people dog on D3 and I hear these comments, right. I'm like, 
I don't. Was he? I almost, have a different experience. Was he almost disruptive to the team? Like where yes. it was just yes. so much. Yes, because he came in. He came in my second year. He came in. We had just we we'd gone four and six. So I never. He, he wasn't part of my first recruiting class. Technically, he would have been part of my second recruiting class. So we went five and five. But yes, he was bigger and stronger and more athletic than everybody else. So he was almost yeah. As soon as he got in his first play, you were like, "Did anybody? You're looking around right, in like, scrimmage. Did, did anybody else like, see this? Yeah." And that's so to this day, I, yeah, he was, yeah, almost disruptive. I, I, it's, that's a great word to use because everybody else is just like, holy cow. And it was also one of those kind of things that everybody just went, this is phenomenal. This well, is going to help us. It bothers me that I know the NCAA does this. The Heisman goes to the division one. Mm-hmm. It won't go down, which is a total. No, but I, we have our, we had our have, own. And yeah. they have their own. But uh, God rest his soul, Walter Payton should have yes. been one of those guys. Yeah. Who had won it? If you yep. look at what he was doing, yep. and against it compared to who, mm-hmm. the man played like twelve positions yeah, yeah. and sold yeah. concessions and parking. Yep. Like he did yeah. all this stuff, but it was like, nah, yep. you're. I think he was at the so Black we, History College, yeah. and so they, yeah, 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 yeah he's one of the HBCUs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we had so we had divisions where we have the the Gallardi Trophy. Okay, okay, that's which is, their version. Yeah, it's right? our yeah. version. But they tie in some humanitarian stuff to it, so some personal. Uh, um, you know, like community service and things that, that kind of tie into it as well. We had a quarterback who was up for it. Keith blocked for that kid for three years. He was one year younger than Keith. Okay. Or I'm sorry, yeah, one year younger. So he blocked for Keith. So the reason he's there is because of a guy like Keith. Right. Because Keith made sure he never got touched. Right. <laughs> it made our lives easier. Was he a left left tackle? He was a left tackle, and oddly enough, he was a left-handed quarterback, which you don't normally oh, so, he should have okay. been on the right, right side, but right we kept side. him there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But that's so point being is that he came in and impacted these other people that in a phenomenal way so yeah when you get a left-handed quarterback you know like steve young screws, every, screws everything up yeah does does it for, <laughs> for you for me yeah 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 it's funny i joke about this all the time but it, 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 it screws everything up because of how i teach how detailed i can get with the quarterbacks and how i talk and i, and I hate saying do everything i just said but flip it Right, that's that's the easy way, right? That's right. You just you know, just that's the cheat code, right? But it's not. It's it's really. It, it but it impacts play calling. There's only certain plays I'm going to call a certain way based on a right hand or left hand quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so you have to do that. Now the hard part is if you if you have two quarterbacks that are both competing for the job, you're having to rescript plays in practice for the lefty versus the righty, and that's hard to do. That's hard yeah. to do if you want to keep a good tempo at practice. Yeah. I remember the first time catching a ball from a left-handed guy. Yeah, the rotations I was, like, I was like, whoa, it just <laughs> felt weird. Yeah, I'm it, used to it just kind of going yeah, a certain yeah. way. All yep. of a sudden, what the hell? And it's, I'll take it a step further. It's even worse with the left-footed punter. Oh, yeah. Because now it's rotating the I other never way. I had that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that could yeah. be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's fascinating. What If your father wasn't a football coach, mm-hmm. what do you think you would have been? Because oh you gosh. know it. You know that. It led you down a path of, you know, the gang life of football. You know, <laughs> like you, know, you, yeah. just, you, know? you know what's funny is it's so funny. I've thought about this before, and, and the truth is I really don't know. The only thing I found remotely interesting um, would have been probably to be a baseball umpire. Really? Yeah. I just, I found, I, you know, I umpired Little League when I was a, little, you know, a teenager and stuff. Sure. And I absolutely loved it. I loved it. Um I would have thought Disney character. Yeah, no, all the yeah. times you were at the park. Are you going to say Goofy? I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. No, it's. I don't know. I really don't. I don't know. And and it's funny. I I don't know. But 
I also, I get, here's the funny part. I don't know, but I get worried about that because I don't want my son to, to feel like he has to go into coaching or be a part of it. Right. He loves being around the team. He loves being around it. Um, but I don't want him to feel pressured into, I, I never felt pressured. Right. Never, never. Um, but it was your addiction. Coach. You loved, I loved it. it. I just love, I love being around it. And I see the same traits in my son too. He loves being around it. Now I will say he loves being around it, whether it's football, he loves being around our team, but he also loves being around whether it's baseball, whether it's um, basketball, whatever. Now, so I, I think that's probably the baseball umpire was the, probably the one thing that I probably kind of, I, I wasn't a great book guy. I wasn't, right. I wasn't an academic guy. Um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, like I said before, I wasn't the five beta Kappa. I was just a guy who I had good enough grades to kind of do some things, but not great grades to go to top schools. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. I got shut out of a number of, right. of number of uh, grad schools, you know? Um, so that's why I can relate to a lot of our guys who just, you know, I wasn't, pre- I, I, I came from a good school, but was I really as prepared for college as I thought I was? I don't think I was. I w- and not from an academic standpoint, but from just a maturity standpoint. Right. Like time management standpoint, all that kind of stuff. So, anyway, I kind of went off on a tangent, but, but I, I think that that's I, very much true, yeah, right? Yeah. And I do like, I really enjoy your father's at, traits, your traits, yes. you know, might not always be your son's traits. It could be just a little off and he decides, I really like football. Yes. I'm going to play football, yep. but that's not what I want to do. Right. Right. And it's funny and because. that's fine. Totally okay. I'm totally okay with that. I, I have no problem. I want him to find his thing. Right. The same way my daughter. So you can retire her. Exactly. That'd be nice. <laughs> so my daughters were in dance. Like yeah. my, my, my oldest daughter, she was into dance. And then eventually she said, I don't want to dance in college. Well, my younger one is hardcore in dance. She's dancing in college next year. So like they'll figure it out. And right. my old, my older one was, you know, she was like the four point plus GPA kind of student. Right. Our middle one, she's, she's, well, better than me, but she's like that 3.3 GPA. Right. Solid, but not... Just a good, normal kid. She could be easily be a 4.0. She just like... She's more social. She likes other things. <laughs> she likes it. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. Which are her strengths and her traits, which are going to make her be successful or help her be successful later on. And so that's the fun part about like all this stuff is... You know, I just... What I've, what I've looked for now, and I'm kind of going off on a tangent for your question, but I've looked for now in our... our is a kid... Does he have a work ethic? Because we can get through just sure. – I'll give you a funny story. I'm coaching Little League Baseball right now, which I I oh. wanted to do for a long time, and I finally did. And I'll tell you exactly how I drafted my team. <laughs> Here we go. This is the funny part, right? Obviously, <laughs> obviously, I'm sitting there watching them, evaluating these 9-, 10-year-olds, and I'm like, okay, who can throw, who can catch, all that kind of stuff. Those kids got lousy feet. <laughs> well, you, so you, seriously, I, I – and you give them a grade, and you have to turn your grades into the league, right, which is fine. But I kept track of my own grade. I had another column. So they have infield, outfield, you know, throwing, hitting, all that stuff. But I had another column, aggressive. And if they were aggressive, I gave them, I bumped up their score a little higher. And because if they're aggressive, they'll try things. They'll just, they'll give it, they'll give it a shot. Even mm-hmm. if they're not successful, they'll give it a shot. They'll just try. Mm-hmm. And so all the kids I drafted, for the most part, are all aggressive type kids. I've got three kids on the team who've never played baseball before. Uh, one of the kids in the, never played baseball, and it was apparent. It was obviously it was very apparent in his tryout. Right, uh-huh. struggled to throw a little bit. And the kid, Troy, Troy's his name, great kid. They throw a pop fly to him in the tryout. First one it goes in. He's got his glove up. He's ready to catch it, and then bam, it hits him in the eye because he missed his glove and it hit him right in the face on the cheek. Right, and then the next one, so they throw, they go, you okay? And he goes, I'm okay. And then he they throw him another one. And he kind of hits off his glove and it falls to the ground. So he drops it, whatever. So he's you know. Not what you would think, right? 
he jogs by me on his way because they're doing batting next. He jogs by, I go, hey, you okay? Did that hurt? He goes, nah, I'm all good. And he just kept running. <laughs> I'm like, I'm drafting that kid. <laughs> because at the very least, I know that kid's aggressive. And right. he's going to take chances. He's not worried about failure. He's he just wasn't embarrassed go. in front of everybody no. taking the dog in. Exactly. And so I drafted. And he's and so far, it's just, I mean, we're, we haven't started games yet, but... I love coaching the kid. Yeah. He's got a big, he's got, he's got a long way to he's go. He's got upside. He does. And he's not, and again, he's only nine years old or whatever, but he's not scared to work. He's not scared to fail. He's not scared to try it. And while he doesn't have the skill set that some others do right now, everybody sees him working. And don't forget how important that is. And I don't care if you're on a college football team or a triple A little league team, when other people see you working your tail off, and even if you're not having a success right now, it'll come. All right. And that's what, I, yeah, so. Are you a better coach because of your kids and having that, that generational difference? Bob Bond was the athletic director at Carthage College. And Bob, when I, when, when I told him that, Melissa and I, Melissa, was, Melissa worked on, on campus too, so they actually knew each other before I met her. Um, and we said, hey, we're, 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 having, we're having a child. And he, go, and he looked me square in the eye and said, she'll make you a better coach. When you have... Your children, it makes you a better coach. I 100% believe that. I had Olivia. I mean, she was my stepdaughter. Sure. But when you see your daughter born and you see – I tell players all the time as they have their own children, I say you will never experience a love so deep and, a, 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 and it just hit you in the chest the way you see your child for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's 100% true. And so – um, and the same with my son. Now I'm also the same guy and I'll, I'll freely admit this. I'm also the same guy that I, if my wife would have gone into labor on a game day, I, I wouldn't miss the game. I'm also that same guy. Right. So I can balance the two sure. out. Right. Um, whereas I don't expect that from anybody else. If one of my coaches was going to have a baby go, right. I'm okay with that. Like I just, I make my choices, you make your choices. So I can understand. So when, when, when Hayden was born, it just, just it, it instantly, he was 100% right. It made me a better coach because all of a sudden I became more, I became more empathetic to the parents of our players, not just the players. And you, at some point, every, every coach's career, and I remember this happening, is you're on the field and you realize that generation gap just hits you. Like, I feel older compared mm-hmm. to the kids I'm coaching now. Right. And that happened when I was about 34 is when it hit me, right? Where I'm like, or 35, where I'm like, okay, there's a big difference between the way you're looking at the world and the way I'm looking at the world. Right. And so where the parent part of it was, I could still uh, relate to the parents and say, that's the most important thing in your world is that little kid right there. Right. Because when I'm coaching a kid, today we just had a signing day for Leland Smith, who just who's going to Purdue. When, when I'm talking to his mom and she's looking at Leland, she doesn't see the 6'5", 220-pound receiver. She sees the little boy that she remembers maybe at one, like two, shoes, three, just yeah. running around. And that's what she sees. That's the part I didn't understand before as a coach. Right. Right. And yeah. now, now you look at it and go, oh. Okay. I get it. I get it. I... So when you yell at a kid or when you get on a kid and you ask the question, what I want my, what I want my own son to play for me, what I want my own son to play for that coach that I've hired, that, that question becomes a lot more impactful. Mm-hmm. You yell at a kid. Are you yelling at the kid because of football or are you yelling at the kid because are you taking it to a personal level? Right. right. Sometimes you yell at a kid because of distance. I'm just, I'm 40 yards away. I got right. I can do is yell. Um, 
but are you yelling at kid? Hey, it's like operations. He's not going to snap off. Hey, we got to get this and you get in, you know, kind of get after him a little bit, but, or do you yell at him and take it in a personal manner? Mm-hmm. Like that's where you got to understand where those lines are. And that's where just kind of the bigger picture for me, I started to understand the parents a little more. Yeah. And the love they have for the kid. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing when you have children, how everything's so much different than <sighs> it was before you had them. You're like, I'm the same person. How did this happen? I'm two weeks later. I'm totally different. (laughs) Totally. And I love it. I wouldn't, it's been the, my wife and I were just talking about this yesterday, the best blessing of our life. And and you just, you just, we're, and we're lucky. Our kids are, our kids are healthy. Our kids are doing well. Our kids, you know, knock on wood, it stays that way, but they're just, we're lucky that they are who they are. And we have great relationships with them. And my wife and I joke about all the time. We're like, you know, our kids talk to us and our kids whereas we i would have never told my dad that i've never she says i've never, never told my mom that you know like stuff like that yeah. our kids tell us stuff. we just we have good conversations and but again i think what we do is go back to i think we try and provide our kids context to what they're seeing mm-hmm. in the world right so let's talk about i guess it was march of 2023 yeah with your brother yep Walk me through that. So, is it your, is your youngest brother? My youngest brother. Yeah. Okay. So he was in the army. He was in the army. Okay. So my golden my, knight. The golden knights. Yeah, he was a uh, which is the the uh, elite parachute. elite parachute team for the army. Right. Right. So they're the ones who like when you see dudes parachute into a Super game, Bowls, and, like he's yeah, parachuted into, yeah to the Kansas City Chiefs game right. or Texas game. And he's got an unbelievable video of. Flying into Darrow Royal Stadium, right? At University right. of Texas. They got flags and they got smoke. That, and they that was him. Flying down like crazy he's men. That, he's that yeah. guy, right? Um, had, I don't know, like almost 2,000 jumps out of planes, which I've never once jumped out of a plane, <laughs> but he did it 2,000 times, right? So, I mean, did you talk to him about it? Like, Oh, yeah. No, well, no, no, well, absolutely. Well, so, in fact, when he was going you through You don't the, want to stay on the ground? Right, right. <laughs> well, what was funny was he served two, door, two, sorry, two tours of, uh, uh, of duty in Iraq and two in Afghanistan. So the whole point of in eventually going into the Golden Knights was by joining that group, he would never get deployed again. And he, he was having a daughter. Right. He had already gotten married, had a daughter. So for him, it was like, hey, I'm just traveling around the country, so I'll be gone a little bit. Yeah. But I'm not getting deployed. This yeah, you're great. kind of a dog and pony show kind of act. It, yeah, and he... <laughs> right? I mean... He loved it because, yeah, because they have... They're basically, I don't want to say an entertainment unit, but they're on the they're on the marketing arm mm-hmm. of things, right? right? And so Blue Angels for yeah, the Navy. That's, it's, no, that's thing. exactly it. That's exactly it. So he would go to the stadium and and they'd give him the microphone and his buddies would be flying in and he'd be he'd be narrating the whole thing. Right. right? Here's Lieutenant Marshall yes, coming that's down. Exactly yeah. it. And so he would um, he would do all and he loved it. He loved it. Just I mean, he found he you know, he went in the army. He went in the army because he my older brother kind of dragged him in the army. Quite honestly, is how it happened because he was kind of floundering around being a doofus and um, what didn't really have he he didn't he wasn't really into football and he was he was um, he's my half brother so he's my mom and my stepdad's um, uh, son. Okay, and so he's um, a little smaller than than us and my other two brothers and um, so he pl- he played a year of football but it was never his thing. But um, but he uh, but he got in the army because my older brother was like who was an army ranger and had oh, retired okay. and done some things or gotten out and, was, and he's like you're being a doofus and da 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 and so my brother, brother Greg put drag, your ass in green drags him down it's a funny story so my parents are in Hawaii for a vacation my brother who wasn't living with them at the time he was like 22, 23 at the time maybe something like that maybe 21 
Um, drags Greg drags Ty down to the Army recruiter. And my parents are in Hawaii, okay? And basically ships out two days later. Holy. My parents are in Hawaii. He never said goodbye to my parents. So my parents come back. My dad, my, my mom and stepdad. Boy, they, they were back, ready to go. And they're like, he's he's gone? All right, I guess we'll see him at the end of basic. Now, two of my brothers had already been in, so they kind of knew the truth. Sure, but, but at the same time, that's their little baby, right? He was the baby of the family. He goes. Anyway, so he ends up. He ends up, he, and he and he, lo- he actually loved the army. He kind of got into it because he was floundering a little bit, um, and did his and loved. He loved the camaraderie. So for him, the camaraderie of what I get in football, he got in the army. Okay. Right, being around a bunch of the dudes, having a blast, just kind of doing your thing, and and he got that. So he got his part of that camaraderie, that machismo, whatever you want to say, kind of filled in the army. Mm-hmm. He got to a point in his life where he was like. You know, we, in fact, he, he was out here visiting, um, and our wives had, had taken our kids to, uh, we were sitting up in, um, up in Hollywood. They went to a frozen on the show or whatever. And so they're at this, they're in there and him and I are hanging out at a bar down the street and we're just talking and we're having a couple of beers and just chatting about like what's going on. So he, him and I start talking about all this stuff. And yeah, so he's weighing all the options. He's, he's like, I've applied for it. I should be hearing about it. Da, 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 da. He ends up making it, loves it. And he just falls in love. So he's doing it. He's now he's a member of this Golden Knights team. He's traveling the country. He's doing radio interviews. He's doing all these things. Wow. He's having a blast, loving it. Um, and then, um, yeah, they go down to Homestead, Florida, and they do their training down there um, about this time of year. It's like February into, into March. Um, and then after that, then they go on the road and they go all the air shows and do, do all this stuff, right? And he uh, he's down there and just had an accident and uh, took took a hard landing and hit um, so I have choked up a little bit. Um, ended up passing away because of his injuries, and it was it was rough. It was a rough, um, and, I, and I'll tell you this: I was on the field with my players, my quarterbacks and receivers were throwing the ball, and my mom called, and I said, "Hey," I said, "I said I'm on the field with the players. Is everything okay?" And he said, "She said no. Are you sitting down?" And I said, "I said no. I'm on the field." And she said, um, "There's been an accident." And, We lost Ty. And, uh, sorry, I'm getting choked up. Um, and uh, so I kind of, the guys obviously could tell something was wrong with me. So I just kind of, I said, I'll catch up with you guys. And I kind of walked away. Yeah. And uh, um, early practice. Yeah. Got on the phone with my wife. She said, Hey, I told her. She said, I'm going to grab the kids. She grabbed the kids. We go over to my mom's house. And the, um, the army chaplain had just been there. Uh, and they said, hey, tomorrow, um, the Army, what's the term for it? It's Army, um, and I'm going to screw it up. But they're basically, when you have a death in your family, the, the Army assigns us kind of a service officer to be with you, to walk you through all the steps, right? Right. Um, and I forget the term, but Sergeant Miranda, who was actually a local guy who went to, um, oh, he's from uh, Garden Grove, um, went to Los Amigos High School, I believe. Great guy. Um so anyways, long story short, she says they're gonna they're gonna somebody's coming tomorrow, um, and it was some lady. Like some lady. And they're like, yeah, I don't know, somebody somebody's supposed to help us out too, but it's the army guy. So, anyways, long story short, we so we're hanging out there. Nobody none of none of us know what to do. We're all kind of frozen. We're we're you know, we're obviously three thousand miles from the from the accident scene. There's nothing we can do. Um, my brother is there, is there yeah, any I, information they've given you other just, than just just that would we kind of caught some word in from uh, unofficially from some of his 
his buddies. It's just basically sad. I was, we understand it's just kind of hard landing and that's, right. that was about it. Cause you're we, trying to put a puzzle. Cause together. you don't know, you don't know. Was it, was it human error? Was it f- failure from the parachute? What's going on? You right. don't know all that stuff. And then they go through the whole investigation. So yeah, you don't know. We don't know any of that stuff. Um, they, the next day he kind of gave an initial briefing as far as what might have not, not might have what happened. Kind of, here's what we kind of know as of right At now. At this moment. Yeah. Right. So we're going to investigate all of the, all the equipment that was with, you know, he, that he had with him, how, I mean, everything, how it was the shoot packed properly. Was it not? What was it human error? Was it failure of, of equipment? Whatever. So, sure. So no, we don't really, we don't really know. Could have happened. Yeah. And so anything that we knew at that time was kind of unofficial and speculation at that time. If that, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, we do know that um, at some point uh, it was all the injuries he suffered that kind of he succumbed to. Basically. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the next day, my wife and I go to my mom and my stepdad's house. They live right over here in Orange, right by right by NM Stadium, and uh, and these two people show up, and um, one was in his dress uni- uniform, and and uh, the other was a, a lady who's I don't know, just spiky hair, and she just seemed nice, but I didn't really know who she was. I didn't know what her role was, right? Because we we're asking ourselves the night before, like, what do what do we do? We, well, we don't know. They're going to tell us tomorrow. Well, what about this? Well, they're going to tell us tomorrow. So that's, you know, so we're asking all these questions, but we got, who are we asking them to ourselves? We have no clue. Right. Anyways, long story short, um, he has a whole checklist. Sergeant Morales has this checklist of as army people do as football coaches. Sure. Do, right? right. So you start going through things and you start, okay, well, here's the deal. Here's this, here's that. And, and I may be misremembering some of the stuff, but it was basically going through it all. And, because now you're starting talking about not just what happened, but now you start talking about uh, um, how do you bring his body home? How do you, uh, where do you bury him at? And, you know, which we already knew was going to be Arlington National. That was a done deal. My grandparents are buried, or grandparents are all buried there. Um, so anyway, so you go through that, and then um, you start realizing why that lady's sitting there. And Laura Herzog is her name. And Laura, you're just sitting there because she doesn't say much for like the first hour. It, which if you get to know her, she's a talker. So that, that had to be hard. She's like me. So it had to be hard for her. So we start talking and, and then we start, start making all these plans. The next door, next thing you know is for, uh, for basically about honestly of the next 14 days, we got together between my mom and my stepdad, my wife, myself, Sergeant Miranda and Laura met probably 10 of the next 14 days uh, to go over all the things that needed to get done to bring his body home, to have a funeral for him and all that kind of stuff. Um, that much of a procedure. That much. And I'm going to tell you this right now. So Laura works with, and I didn't mention it, but Laura works with an organization called Our Fallen, uh, Our Fallen, excuse me, Honoring Our Fallen, okay. which is basically to honor first responders and help them in these situations, right? And she because again, she's kind of professional at some of this stuff. So now you rely on her because now she says, well, I've got connections on Ontario airport. We can fly them into there and Southwest. We'll get them to pick up the ticket and we'll do this. And you know, all that kind of stuff. Cause we're numb. And you got to understand we're sitting there. My, my mom is, my mom is like me where her way to grieve is to work, to be active, to, okay, what's next on the checklist. Let's keep working through mm-hmm. it. My stepdad is going to withdraw. And maybe I'm talking about all these people a little too much, but, right, but and my wife is similar. And my wife is, she's going to withdraw, but at the same time, she's going to, it's the family dynamic. It's the family right? dynamic. It, you start putting it all together. Right. And so and it um, all means something and, in the end. And right? we all had our little bit of a role and, and we were all 
processing this because this was such a heavy deal. And and if you knew Ty, my mom always joked about it, but Ty was the one who tied the families together. So my stepdad's family and 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 my mom's family of, of all our siblings ties us together. And so, uh, anyways, long story short, um, the you know I, I I told our coaches I said I'm, I'm you won't see me you're not gonna see me for a while. So I was gone. Um, I missed the first day or two of spring ball. I didn't, I just was gone for weeks basically. And I was just like, I got this. It was the first time I'll be honest with you. It was the first time in my life where I didn't do anything for football. And, um, even my son was born, he was in the NICU. I was in the middle of a season. So I'm having to do stuff, right? This is the first time in my life where I didn't wake up and say, what am I going to do today? Football wise? How am I going to get my program better? How am I going to, I just didn't. And that as a coach was a, fascinating moment for me fascinating time because it just it football's not ever not mattered in my life and at that point it didn't matter if that makes sense yeah yeah that really shows would would you have done that at 25 or is it the maturity of gary (laughs) you know now family kids you know it's my kids the gray hair yeah it's the maturity yeah yeah when I was younger, yeah, I, I don't know that it, I would have, I, I don't know that it would have impacted me to the same degree that it, it, it did. Yeah. It's funny. Does that make sense? I, yeah. I, no, because. <laughs> it makes me sound callous when I was younger, but it's very true. Okay, right. example. I never used to cry yeah. before I had kids. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Like yeah. everybody's funeral. Is, yeah. I have kids. I can't watch End of Braveheart. Yeah. I can't watch. Like I there's mo- my. And there's stuff like I just it's brutal. Yeah. So it's I, I, something I, I, about those children. Damn it. No, it's funny. <laughs> no, you're you're 100. You know what's funny is I look at I you know I teach stress management classes here right and there's a lot of interesting things you learn when you teach stress management and things you know right things that are you just you know natural about hypertension right. you understand stress so yeah what stresses you I get all that stuff but then but then when you start looking at the science behind some things right so for instance there's a video I show which is a fascinating video but in the video it talks about um, this group of, of, it's a mom's group is what it is. And they all have special needs children. Okay. And, and, and high, high, they, their, their needs are at a high level, right? Um, not just, not just uh, like someone who has an IEP in school and can still kind of function. Mm-hmm. They're more at the higher end of, of maybe nonverbal and some other things. Right. And I may not be saying everything correctly. Right. So I apologize on that, but, but it, and, and what they said in this video is that in, because of the data they've accrued is it, it, it has to do with your, the science and your telomeres and how, you know, we react to the hormones and all that stuff. These ladies for every one year of a normal mother, they age six years. So if that mom is like 30, when she has that child, by the time she's 40, it's really like she's added six what was that 60 years of to her to her own She's personal 90. life her stress does that make sense yeah. and that's fascinating me I, I and i and i just think about you so you're right so so you as an individual you know i look at some of the uh, some of the, the young people that i know who or some of my friends who have special needs children and you just go gosh because they they probably have to worry more about their kids than i worry about my i i don't my 25 year old i worry about her because she's off on her own doing her thing right but I don't worry about her, right? Probably mm-hmm. on a daily basis. I don't wake up thinking about her, her, her immediate needs, yeah. right? And yeah, 
and it's just fascinating. I don't, I, and that probably but, went off on a tangent but no, but there, that's, but that's, that stuff's fascinating to me. Yeah. So. Was it more of a, just a blow to the family because he wasn't killed in, in a tour, whether it was Iraq or Afghanistan. And it's like, wait a minute, he's been skydiving 2000 <laughs> times. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Um, I think it hurt equally as much. I think the blow was because of who he was and his personality. Okay. And, um, cause he was the baby of the family. We joke. I mean, he was the baby of the family. Um, he was, he's, he was the fun uncle. Um, he's the one my kids love. Like, like my, what my daughter says it all the time because she's a dancer and he was the first, when she would post a video of herself dancing, he was the first person to always like it and comment always, always. And, you know, and I think a lot of it is just because of that. And, and I think, and then there's another part where it wasn't, he f- so he got in the army, and he, I think he loved the camaraderie. He loved all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But he got in the Golden Knights because of his passion for jump. He loved performing. He loved jumping out of the plane, but he loved being on the microphone, narrating. He loved it. That's the that's the part I'm, I'm struggling with, is that here's this guy who just literally, just in the last couple of years, really found his passion, and now he's not there to do it. Right. That's my struggle. Yeah. Not not to not 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 my only struggle, but that's sure. when you talk about some of that stuff. Um, I mean, I miss my brother and all that stuff, but that's the part I'm struggling with is how much I know he loved doing that, and he, he found that he found it. He finally found it and didn't get to do it very long. Made an impact, sure, but didn't get to do it very long. Well, he so. would have loved to have done another ten years or whatever. He, he was been. he w- he wanted to do it till he retired. That's yeah. exactly he had a, he had. I want to say he had about eight years left or about seven years left. Somewhere. Right. Yeah, that's what he wanted. Did they ever notify you? On we did. We just had it. We just had. Um, we just had a meeting. And by the way, I'll, let me backtrack just a little bit. The the between the army and we actually flew back to North to Fort Bragg and did a um, did his unit memorial. Um, the crowd there was four hundred people at his his funeral, uh, which was out at March Air Force Base in the in the um, Air Museum out there, which mm-hmm. they donated. I mean, mm-hmm. it was phenomenal. It was unbelievable. And they do the angel flights where they have the body. <clears throat> excuse me, and the cargo. And I've been on two of those flight, flights before. <clears throat> excuse me. And nobody gets off the flight right. until the body gets off first, right? So everybody's just sitting there and everybody's out the window looking. And I've been on two of those flights before. I just randomly just got, I was on two of those throughout my career or throughout my life. And um, those are those are shocking. They're, they're rough, man. When you realize, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know Sergeant so-and-so yep. was with us. Yep. And then you see the families out there Excuse me, and then um, and then we go to the funeral home on the procession, and how every single overpass has a fire truck waving a flag and has the lights going every from from Ontario Airport to uh, the funeral home was actually Moreno Valley, uh, which was pretty close to the March March Air Force Base and the, and the Arlington National, mm-hmm. but. Every, I mean, it was unbelievable. And I come from big, my mom's side of the family. My mom's one of 10 kids, so she's the oldest of 10. So the family is just monstrous. And um, so they, when they say, hey, we can only have your family there, like, let's be a little more specific because we got a lot right. of people. Um, Uncle Jimmy's got right, a car, right, man. Right, it's right, like, right, I'm sorry. Right. So it we was, can't it, cut this off at 12. That procession was monstrous, right? And uh, anyway, so the, the amount of people involved in that was just, 
unbelievable. And I can't, I can't begin to thank all those people enough. And it was just, so just going through all that was, um, it was an eye opening experience, but it was also one that, um, just hit hard. Um, because I was one of those people watching from the inside that airplane, watching that body come off and what, excuse me, watching that family receive their, their loved one. Right. So, um, yeah, a little tough. I don't know if I answered your no, question. No, I, just, no. I, just, I just, I just, I just wanted to, I wanted to talk about that moment because there were so many people who didn't know my brother, but impacted our, excuse me, impacted our family that we didn't get a chance to thank. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and I think, <clears throat> I think if you are lucky enough to be on one of those flights, yeah, it's rough, but like. It, you, they're very rare now. Sure. There were a lot more in the early 2000s, especially yeah. when we were doing the Iraq war and Afghanistan. But you really do get a sense of how proud it is to experience that moment. Like, it's really, really special. Yep. I think one of Kevin Bacon's greatest roles was the role he did where he's the escort that transports the, the fallen soldier. Right. I mean, right. it really shows right. you like how the military goes about and brings these bodies home and takes care of their own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, it is stunning. And that was and that hit me even more. We went out to Fort Bragg and actually met a lot of the. Now, the Golden Knights came and met his body. Actually, the Golden Knights were in charge. They 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 wanted to. They transported the body off the plane and did a lot of things. But when we went out to the Unit Memorial in Fort Bragg, where the Golden Knights are headquartered. Um, I couldn't believe how many people showed up there even again and all the things they did and how they went all out for it. And it was just, yeah, it just, it, how they took care of their own was, I see, I'll say, I'm going to say it this way. My brother came back from his tours. He was really worried about his, his fellow um, army men that and their mental health. One thing my parents have been really good about over the years, whether it was my dad or my mom and my stepdad, um, or my dad and my stepmom as well, just making sure that we're dealing with all the things that we need to deal with. And are we talking about things? Are we getting things out? Same thing with my wife and I try and do with our kids. Is And my brother took that to another level when he came back. And uh, the Tomahawks is the group that he was with out of uh, Fort Lewis up in, up in Washington. And he really spent a lot of time talking to a lot of his buddies about you know, because they mandate that you have to see someone when you come back from deployment. And he was, his whole thing was talk, get it out, talk about it. Cause you can't keep it all inside you. And, and he, he impacted a lot of those guys. Right. And so, um, you know, you start thinking about all those things about why I, I, I see it with football players on a much smaller level in terms of when they're done playing, they get a little lost. And what do I do with myself now? Mm-hmm. Because I have all this free time now. Right. And I was used to being a part of an organization and part of a group and part of a team effort. And that's what my brother felt with his place. So him and I had a lot in common. We talk about a lot because we talk a lot about leadership and we talk about all that stuff. Um, and so it was fascinating to, to watch him grow and mature. Cause by now I'm, I'm in well into my coaching career, right? but we're still talking about leadership and we're talking about all these things that he, really found um, kind of as he matured too. So anyways, I just kind of, it's fascinating to me. I see why um, why he was so adamant, and I see why in veteran resources, I was, it, and we have a great one on campus here, thankfully, um, 
you know, but just making sure we're taking care of our veterans is pretty important. It's near and near to me. Does that, is that something you kind of touch on when you're doing your stress management classes on what what veterans go through and what general public goes through? And so I think, I think there's a common thread. And when I say that, what I mean is um, I, I, I do, but I don't, Um, I don't, I think there's a common, because when I went to Cal State Fullerton, I really loved my sports psychology classes, right, with Ken Revisa. <laughs> loved them. I mean, just. The gold standard. Yeah, exactly. Love Ken. Exactly. So I took every one of his classes I could take. I loved it. And one of the things that was kind of always said was, like, this is just normal stuff, but in sports, mm-hmm. right? And that's the way my brother and I would talk. is just kind of normal stuff, but in the Army. And my older brother, who was a ranger as well, my other my other younger brother was in the army as well. We talk about this stuff, and this is normal stress, but the dynamics of each story are a little different. But how you manage it and how you deal with it is all equally as important. And so there's a common thread through it all. So I don't have to necessarily say, in the army, it's this, right? Like PTSD used to be called shell shock, right? Because of World War Two, basically, mm-hmm. World War, maybe World War One. But and then over time it evolved and all that, and because you realize it's not just in the army or not just in excuse me not just in war that you can get PTSD. Mm-hmm. It could right. be it could be a car accident. It could be a lot of other things that you could have PTSD from. Um, so there are these these common threads through all this stuff. And the common the most common thread is that we're all human, and it's all experience. That's all how we interpret our experience. And um, yeah, so there you go. There's my there's yeah. my stress management for the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a. It's a, it's an interesting thing because people really think they know how to manage it, mm-hmm. and they don't. They don't. And then once it gets snowballed, mm-hmm. that's when the problems arise. And it's really easy to manage, yep. taking care of yourself, being aware of it. Is there any advice you can give that would just kind of help someone kind of settle in on their stress level? Yeah, I, I think I think I think first of all, there is good stress. I think sometimes we only think of stress as being bad. There is good stress. Like um, like roller coasters are stressful. <laughs> right. But Superman the, roller coasters. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> there you go, right? Right? She was definitely stressed out, and she conquered it. Um, she has a, a gray streak in right, her hair right, now because she's just right, poor right, girl probably. Right. But how do you manage it? How do you deal with it? And so, so there is good stress, and there's bad stress. But if... And then there's chronic stress and there's acute stress. There's things that, that pop up on you, right? Mm-hmm. And you deal with it and you move on. But there's other things that are chronic. And, well, if it's chronic, is it something you can control? Can you manage it in a way that you can fix enough that you don't have to worry about it on a day-by-day, hour-by-hour hour basis? Um, and I think those are kind of the important things. You know, everybody talks about figure out who you are, this and that. Well, sometimes we don't know who we are. But if you know what drives you nuts, you can start to work on that. And... Um, like for me, where I'm at in my life, it's funny. I heard a saying, you know, when you, when in your, what is it, in your twenties, in your twenties, you worry about what other people think. In your thirties, you, you, you don't worry about what other people think. And then in your forties, you realize nobody was thinking about you. Right. Like, yeah. And so it, it, that's one of the things that I've learned. And I take a lot of, I take a lot of solace in that knowing that nobody cares about me and, and that in a lot of right. those regards yeah. that I think they care about. Right. Sure. And, and, and that's the important stuff. So, yeah. So I think, I think just managing your stress comes down to quite honestly, just do you, are you, do you have healthy things to do? Do you have good people surrounding you? Do you have good relationships? Do you, do you have people you can talk to? Like honestly talk to, you don't need a ton of them. 
but you need to have one or two that you can honestly right. talk to. And I think those are the kind of the pretty cool things. And that's what, and I think that's one thing that a lot of my brother's friends struggle with. He was that guy for probably more people uh, than he might have, probably should have been, <laughs> quite right. honestly. But that's who he was. Yeah. He was the guy who listened. Yep. yep. Yeah. So. Every, we always need one of those guys. We do. Just do. call him up. He doesn't say anything. He just hears you go yep. for 20, 45 minutes. Just bah, bah, bah. That's exactly it. And that's it. That's exactly it. So I think he was that kind of guy for a lot of people. So, yeah. yeah. All right, I can't have a, a head football okay. offensive coordinator coach on without asking, if you got the chance on Sunday, what offense would you like to coach? Niners or Chiefs? You get 60 minutes. What offense would you want to uh, – Call the signal. That's a great question. Gosh, there's a lot of similarities, actually. There are. Even though people don't think about it, there no, really there's are. There's a lot of similarities. Um, to me, I think the, I think, to me, if if he's healthy, I think the X factor is Debo Samuel, and I think I, so. I'd go with the Niners because I both they both have good running backs, both have good quarterbacks, both have good tight ends, both have good old line. Now you got Debo who can do just a few other things, whether it be receiver or reverses or line up at running back. Right. And coaches I like those kind of do, guys. We, do. we love we 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 we. I always I always joke that you got to have that star that that straw that stirs the drink. Yeah, right. You got your ice and you got your you got your liquid, whatever you're gonna put in that drink, but you need that straw to stir it all up. And I think to me, he's the he's the straw there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at that level with those kind of toys, man, that would be fun to call. Unbelievable. Uh, but but you know what's fascinating though? When you lose one of those guys. It can totally wreck your. Yep. So if you get so Debo got hurt a little bit, sure. It can totally it can wreck your game plan. Yeah, you know, you lose two, you're definitely in trouble. Right. So it's fascinating. Now, what if you were on the other side of the ball, on defense, and you had to shut it down? Oh man, that's I was just talking about this this morning with another, another um, somebody else about one of our vice presidents here on campus about you know what? Gosh, the, I don't know because. If you try and play a little more zone, they're going to run the ball right down your throat. Mm-hmm. Eat both teams. Right. If you try and go man-to-man, they're going to rub some rub routes, and you could give up a big play to any – because now they got great tight ends, so you do a little play action, and you're in big trouble. I don't know. Man. When was I the last time that. in a Super Bowl there were two tight ends this good? Gosh, that's a great question. I was talking about this with my buddy, and yeah. I'm like – there's always been like a one, yeah. but there's two tight ends clearly going to be in the Hall of Fame and can clearly take over this game. Like I could see yeah. either one of those guys being the MVP with like oh, without catches, two oh, without touchdowns. And well, what's funny is I just saw some of the interviews they did the other day for the for you know leading up to the Super Bowl and all that stuff, and they're both day, like, yeah. and they're both like pointing at each other like, "Hey, that guy's the best tight end in the league. That guy's the best tight end." There's a point. Well, yeah, you're the two sure. best tight ends in the league, <laughs> right? So, you know, so it's yeah, I, I man. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I was know. like, and, okay. And I'm, and I'm gonna tell you this: people talk about Brock Purdy as a game manager, and that he's not. Oh my gosh, he can make some throws that are, you know, funny story. We we knew about Brock Purdy coming out of high school. We we were well aware of him here at Fullerton. We we had seen his film, we paid attention, we knew, and um, and we didn't know what his situation was gonna be, you know, leading up to signing day and all that kind of stuff. We didn't quite know what was gonna happen with him, and he ended up getting offers and that kind of stuff. But we thought he might go JUCO actually for a little while, right? There. And uh, but didn't quite well, work out. But you know this because you've seen, it, especially at, at the JUCO level, yeah. there are a lot of guys like that that slip through the cracks and just don't get that chance. They just right you, through. You know what? There's 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 not enough spots for how many good players there are. That's it. It's yeah. it's and, and it's not that people didn't know they were good or didn't notice them. 
they just but it also could be yeah. systems the guy can go to a system and it doesn't work for him he doesn't get the looks true and the nfl doesn't draft true. or like yep. him true. he's the last true it's just little things or you yeah. got a bad offensive line you got a different offensive coordinator quarterback changes yeah. head coaches oh, changes who are you surrounded by absolutely yeah. you know you you talk about that so is is what if Justin Fields is on one of these teams? Does it change? Does it change his the trajectory of his career? Sure, right. You know what I'm saying? Like instead of being in Chicago, and I don't know who he's throwing to in Chicago, but he's not throwing to some of the. He's not throwing to Kittle. He's not right. throwing to, you know, um, Kelsey. Well, so my my, my debate was always I had uh, John Beaver on the podcast, Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated photographer. His dad was the Green Bay Packers yep. uh, team photographer or forever. Okay. Well, I would I said to him when I had him on the podcast if Elway. And Montana switched. How great yeah. would everybody think yeah. of Elway? Right? Because yeah. everybody's like, the GOAT, and then now yeah. Tom. Yeah. If you put Elway and what he was doing, and people forget early mm-hmm. in his career what he was doing, mm-hmm. pre, let's say, 87, yeah. unbelievable yeah. stuff. Yep. You switch, yep. Niners might have won five in a row. Yep. Holy crap. Because yep. exactly as right. much as I love Joe, he didn't have Elway's athleticism and cannon. Exactly. And exactly. now you have him throwing to some of those guys exactly. with Walsh? Right. I know. And he was athletic. He was very, very. That kid can very. run. He played baseball. Yep. yep. Injury slowed him down with the yep. knees, but yep. you switch. What I happens? met him one time. One of the nicest guys. Holy yeah. cow, was he phenomenal. Was yeah, he so phenomenal. it's always sometimes yeah. a situation. Yeah. No, it, 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 well, it's like anything in life, right? Your environment dictates a lot of your success. Right. You know, it's there's that old saying: "Show me your friends, I'll show you, you know, where you're going to be in life." Your projector, kind of yeah. yeah, exactly. But same, same with the. There's only 32 teams. Mm-hmm. Who you're surrounded by in those 32 teams, and again, the margin for error is so slim in the league that, yeah, who knows? Yeah, that's exactly it. So yeah. it's 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 that's why I, I love I love this game because it's so dynamic, because it's so fascinating. It's so the storylines are phenomenal and. You know, it's funny. I look at my daughter, who's who's again the seventeen year old, and she's gotten into this whole Taylor Swift and <laughs> Travis Kelsey thing, and you know, and, and it just cracks me up. Now she's now she'll sit there and watch a game with me because you know, she's waiting. She for might the- be on there. You know, I'm like, really? Come on! Can I, I just trying to watch the game. Leave me alone. You know, but that's that's the world we live in, man. That's, yeah. And that's it's not all bad, but it. Hey, if she's on the couch with you watching it, and for okay. eight seconds okay she that. smiles, I'm okay with that. That's okay. You know, it's made our it's made our family group text a lot more fun. I can tell you that much. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, fascinating. Coach, thank you for taking the time and doing this. I absolutely appreciate it. Thank you. you appreciate doing- it. this. Was this was awesome? I really enjoyed this, and you know, hopefully, I didn't put too many people to sleep. Absolutely <laughs> not. You gave some great stuff. Yeah, you know, it. it's everything from, you know, a career path and managing, managing people, yeah. managing yourself, which. Gets lost a yes. lot of times, yes. right? That's why I asked you about you know those first three mm-hmm. years. Were you taking care of yeah. your leadership? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things in people's careers, yep. and they might look and be like, "Oh, he's so successful." Well, I could show you all the routes that it got right. to get there, right? And so, I definitely wanted to talk. You know, it's funny it, with all that stuff. People forget what is it, what's that old is it Occam's razor? Sometimes the simplest mm-hmm. answers, the, the easiest answer, or whatever it is, or the whatever, right? But sometimes people forget, like just. Like you, you hit something on the net, on the, hail, on the net. The, I can't talk anymore. Well, I'm all talked yes, out. The net on the hell. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> that um, coaching is all about managing egos and personalities. Someone told me that a long time mm-hmm. ago. That's absolutely right. And then somebody else told me another thing about interviewing. Right when you, so you're looking for potential. One, obviously, you're being interviewed 
but you're interviewing them too. Yes. Don't forget about that. Yeah. Then the other thing is, and they're looking for the same thing that you're looking for is one, does this person that I'm interviewing, do they know their stuff? And then two, can I work with them every day? Right. And that's where sometimes people get lost. They get, well, I should portray this. No, be who you are. That's who they're hiring. They're looking for, yeah. And if you're not, and if you're not, then you'll be grateful you didn't get that job. Right. Because you would not have been a fit there. So when I interviewed that job down in Texas and I did not get that job, I was bummed out. But I was myself, so I was cool with it. And the very next year, I'm a week, exactly a week after I had taken the Menlo job, and I, I know we're getting off on a tangent, a week after I'd gotten that job, I get the call from Vance Gibson, calls me again, says, hey, I got another job open. I'm not even interviewing. It's your job. Do you want it? And I hang up, and I talk it over with my folks, talking with my dad, and talk it over I was working. I was, now I was actually working with Canops now for one week. And uh, and I said, what? Well, yeah, I think you'll probably take it. I'm like, I don't know. We'll see. And anyways, I ended up turning it down. And I called Vance and I said, you know what? I know it's a full-time job. It's good money, all that stuff, but I'm not going to do it. I gave my word here. And he go, and, and this still sticks to me this day. I said, I gave my word here that I would be here and I'm going to stay here, even though it's going to cost me a lot of money. He said, that's exactly why I wanted to hire you. Because you gave your word and you stuck to it. And that's the reason I'm calling you because I felt that in your interview. Right. And so, you know, it's a double-edged sword. If you're chasing all these other things that don't matter, be real to who you are and life gets a lot, a lot easier. So. And it all worked out. And all, I'm happy. I Look, I've, I'm a college football coach and I've been, never been fired. Hey, life is pretty good. You know what I'm saying? I got the best job in America. I'm happy. I'm coaching Little League Baseball as a college <laughs> football coach. That don't happen very often either. So, yeah, it's all worked out. All right. Thanks, Coach. (laughs) Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to part two of my conversation with Garrett Campbell. If you enjoyed this episode, please click and hit the like button, become a subscriber to the podcast, and remember you can follow the Jessica Conversation podcast on Instagram. You can find all the past shows on the website at justagoodconversation.com. Thank you for listening.